innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP live from Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. We have a packed show with a ton to talk about, a lot of great stuff. We're going to recap the Masters World's Jiu-Jitsu Championship in Las Vegas that just finished up yesterday for you with a lot of great local competitors. We're going to have a featured interview with our good friend Bryce Mahoney, who you might know from the veteran community, you might know from Jiu-Jitsu, you might know from having bought a delicious acai bowl from him, you might know him from... You might, you might know him from I haven't turned on your mic yet Trevor Thank God um, <laughs> Trevor just got off the line of the season And I haven't turned on his mic Alright so, let's, so let's, let's get to that mic But before Trevor gets off Witty Bon Mo's uh, I must give you the particulars to get out the show. If you want to get at us and tell us questions for Bryce, you can email us at cagesidewhup at gmail.com, on Twitter and Instagram at cagesidewhoop. You can uh, find us on Facebook at Cageside Radio, and you can always uh, or you can always see me or, and or my man Trevor Hayes in person. And Trevor, now that your mic's on, how are things? I'm good. I don't have to talk anymore. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hurt. You said offended. all you want to say. I said all I wanted to say. The show's over for me. Aw. I said my pieces. Aw, don't no. be butthurt. Don't be butthurt. <laughs> so butthurt. So the way There's the show more is... butthurt in me than the Forge Fitness blowout right now. Oh. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Forge Fitness blowout, which is I'm going to get choked so bad next time I go to the Forge Fitness rally. We met, we, like, I, my philosophy on the show is as long as we're having a good time, the listeners are going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee me, Bryce, and Trevor are going to have a terrific time in the studio live for the next hour. And uh, to let you know how the show is going to be structured, today as usual we're going to have a news segment where we're going to recap all the master seniors worlds as well as give you a couple other updates but we're also going to be going to have our featured interview with bryce mahoney but because bryce has trained with a whole bunch of the people that just brought home medals we're going to ask bryce to join us for the news segment so bryce mahoney you want to say hi to the listeners hello everyone <laughs> so let's talk about the Masters Worlds. This is a four-day event in Las Vegas uh, put on by the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. And uh, we had a ton of local medalists, including many gold medals. First person I want to talk about is who we believe to be the first homegrown North Carolina Jiu-Jitsu black belt to win a black belt world championship, Jason Colbreth, who won the Masters World Championship. And Insanely awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. great. Just out there setting the example. Like, and he is I think that's not going to stop talking about it. <laughs> well, I should hope not because we want to get him on the show next no, week. Yeah. And believe me, if, you, if you're listening to this and you want Jason Colbreth on the show, and I think everybody does. There's a lot of people that want to hear some We Jason might need Colbert. a two-hour segment for <laughs> Dude, that Dude, <laughs> we need to go into overtime for that. <laughs> we need a two-hour segment and probably a dump button for profanities and libelous oh, statements. But, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, 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 you know, hey, uh, what's a little libel between friends? Um, so Colbert got gold. Uh, congratulations to him what, and his brother Drew. What, sorry, did he ahead. get one gold medal or two? He got, he got one. His, he got one. Drew won abs, double that's gold. Right, that's right. And so that's Again, the, the Colbert brothers just eighty five really, years in a row. Je, <laughs> right. It's funny. Je, Jeff Huang said something on Facebook that I thought was really interesting, which is you know most people the limit of world championships is the number of years you've been training, but not Drew Colbert because Drew wins. He won his gold in weight. He won his gold in absolute at the brown belt division. So the Colbert brothers, like all Drew does, is win world championships i think this is his 10th maybe his 10th and 11th something like that yeah and yeah. so he's won 
won it all belt levels. It's pretty outstanding. And Bryce, you must have trained with the Culbrits a fair bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, J- Jason is the first person that I w- trained with when I moved to Raleigh. I can remember when the carry location first opened. We threw some mats down. I mean, it hadn't – I don't even think they had gotten any of the CrossFit equipment in. And we just started rolling there. And I, I've been training at Forge Fitness ever since. And he's just always been the one to kind of – put himself out there i mean especially Mm -hmm. drew too like we've got tons of people at our gym that are not only you know considerable training partners consistent training partners but they're going out and competing and yeah quite a few of them are bringing home some excellent hardware but when the bottom line of it they're going out and testing their skills and creating a good example for other people to see like hey that's a that's a good solid gym yeah and like you said leading by example is so important and uh and i have two culbreth related questions for you first of all uh where did he punch you in the throat or in the genitals and second has he ever bitten you thankfully he has never bitten me um with his teeth (laughs) (laughs) and he's throat punched me quite a few times I think uh, I think that's 17 points is the throat punch like yeah. two points for the takedown yeah. 17 for the throat punch I, 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 I was saying to several people after this is like now I can say I, I can honestly say I've been bitten by a black belt world champion I hope <laughs> I got some powers from that I'm not really sure but I've, so, got, I've gotten tons of life advice from him though, oh so gosh I don't know if <laughs> that correlates as his, advi- his as life a advice is second to none <laughs> yeah, Jake Whitfield had the idea of a YouTube show where we just follow around Jason Culpert with a camera and turn it on whenever he's giving anyone life advice from the server at the restaurant oh, to yeah. the stockbroker to the white belt and 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 i mean i think it's a million dollar idea i didn't know the stories were true until i started working with him at the gym and i was like wow because like it was always i knew i'm on a business level with the fight promotion but now being around jason like all day i'm just like this man is something else (laughs) he is and so jason culberth please come on the show next weekend so you can talk about how awesome you are how awesome your brother is how awesome the forged fitness program is Uh, and we'll talk about some other forged folks in a minute so that bryce can give us his opinion on on some of those i do want to mention the other two black belts with local connections that did really well diego bispo closed out his division with his teammate osvaldo cachino um two outstanding practitioners so congratulations to diego on that and jay palacios who i'm sure that you know another military veteran super badass uh got bronze in his weight class and uh you know, just generally looked like a boss and looked like an action figure whenever his gi came off. Uh, brown belts, we mentioned Drew Culberth getting gold in weight and gold absolute. Congrats to Drew on double gold. Another really popular local competitor and concussion cast guest and training partner for at least a couple of us, Mary Holmes. Uh, just another outstanding performance by Mary. Won silver in her weight class, which was excellent, and actually won gold in absolute. Yeah, so Mary, I saw that. Mary, yeah. absolute world champion. Did that happen this morning or last night? That happened la- uh, two days ago. Two days. Ago. Two days. Oh, ago. the gold medal. Yeah, the gold or, medal. I just never heard it was it. late last night. It was two, like it was two in the morning here when it happened. So it was oh, late breaking okay. news. It's, it's funny how that the Masters Worlds goes backwards. I don't know about any other IBJJF, but like everything else starts at white, goes to black, then it goes black in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's weird. So. From, a, from a viewership perspective, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's because they want the black belts to be able to coach their purple belts. I would think so. That makes and sense. maybe, you know, like especially for for me personally, I can't attest to anybody else, but I remember going to the pans, and by Sunday, I was completely <laughs> filled with jujitsu, oh, yeah. and that was kind of like, ugh. You know, it's an intense experience, man. It's like just to be surrounded by that much jujitsu, even as much as you love it. Yeah. So, it wears you out. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, e- even if you don't compete, it wears you out. So some purple belts that I know that Bryce knows. Uh, the three, of, three local purple belts did really well, two of whom I know you've trained with a bunch. Rob Fielder from Chapel yeah. Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu got bronze in his weight class. Congratulations to Rob. 
Um, Mary and uh, and Betty Brock. All right, sorry, we'll get to Betty in a second. But Ned Bird, Nedzilla, yeah. the Beast, double bronze weight in his uh, weight or bronze in his weight class, bronze in the absolute division as well. Ned, yeah, sorry. just what what an amazing you know guy. He's he definitely puts in work you know at the gym, not only to help other people get better, but himself. So it's it's really nice to see him. Uh, excel on that level of uh, competition. You know, I've seen him compete a lot, and you know we all have our battles on on the mat. And he had some fine tuning to do, and thankfully he was receptive to that, and and it's paid off. You know, it's nice to see when training, when you, when you can step outside your own game and and get some positive instruction on it and put it to practice and then put it into competition it's always wonderful to see hard work pay off and you know and 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 so ned has been uh you know a stalwart uh, representative of that gym for years and it's always great to see ned win so congratulations to ned on his two bronze medals um one person i want to shout out particularly was the oldest competitor from the carolinas betty broadhurst 59 years old new purple belt she got her purple belt this year uh silver in her weight class and bronze in the absolute division and just to be competing at 59 years old let alone going out there and showing your stuff on the world stage i'm so happy for betty uh, one of the really most positive members of the north carolina jiu-jitsu community so really really happy for betty as well yeah i mean it just it just goes to show specifically with not only the masters division and it's it's just trickling down you know think of a number of years ago there weren't this many black belts there weren't this many brown purple belts and the divisions are getting larger um even on the over 30 divisions the regular masters is just exploding and everything like that so not only is it great to see people training but it's great to see people training as they get older and there to be a legitimate tra- uh, competition platform for people to be training on like that too for yeah, sure. I was showing people stuff about like Betty and like the Masters like worlds going on. Like, there's some there's a guy at the bar last night. He was 48 years old. He's like, well, it's too late for me to start that, right? And I was like, nah, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, look at this. He's like, well, do go. I have to fight? And I was like, no, it's up to you. I mean, you go out there, you you wrestle with someone if you want to. Like, that's it, man. It's fun. Like, and this guy was in good shape for a 48 year old. I was like, yeah. you'd be perfect for you, man. Trust me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's just it it helps too. You know, what IBJJF and what these tournaments are doing is they're showing a di- a, a large difference between mixed martial arts and jujitsu you know so many people for so long kind of categorize them together like oh man i'm gonna go in this gym and just get my butt kicked and get punched and kicked like as much as the ufc is a great thing to promote martial arts it's a bad thing for people that have never trained or never been around people that train because they think that you know i'm gonna do jujitsu but i'm gonna go beat it but he's like tattooed like muscle heads. Does it mean like, I have no. to get elbowed in the face until right. I bleed? Yeah. Like no, no. Like no. Like it's a lot of fun. And like, like even, and even Muay Thai is fun. Just do it right. Like, no, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've been meaning to come out and take some of your no, Muay Thai actually, classes no, no. as yeah, well. Okay. But, uh, I, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I like my face. I also like your face. Bryce is really pretty. <laughs> Bryce is a really know. nice face. He's a pretty man. But like, so you're listening to me, Jeff Shaw, Trevor Hayes, and Bryce Mahoney, who is our featured interview. We're doing the news segment right now, recapping. The Masters Seniors Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. We'll get into uh, our featured interview with Bryce in just about 10 minutes. But to wrap up, we talked about the Purple Belts. And, you know, I, and I want to lift up what Betty did again. You know, Bryce said before, it's so important to lead by example. And I think Betty is a shining example of, like, Jiu-Jitsu is for everyone. doesn't matter how old you are. Go out and start. You don't have to compete if you want, if you don't want to. But, like, it, you certainly can. And you can improve your life and the lives of your friends and training partners, which I think is outstanding. Um, in the blue belts, so we had two blue belts that I want to mention, and then one I want to focus on that I know you've trained with. So Al Moss from Gracie Raleigh uh, took bronze in his weight class. Congratulations. Uh, 
uh, Bryce Lighthall, who I know a bunch of us have rolled with, one of the one of the, the coolest, nicest guys in jiu-jitsu, oh, yeah. trains with Alliance, then at Bruno, Bruno Malfacini's now. He lives in Florida now, but took bronze in his weight class in a really tough weight class, had some really great matches, and so congratulations to Bryce Lighthall. Really, really stoked for him. And finally, the, the, the other gold medalist, you know, the other world champion, um, someone that trains at, at Forged, has trained with Jason a bunch, is Gita Bott. Gita That's won right. gold in her weight class, middleweight, um, and won bronze uh, in the absolute. So, you know, one of the what you know, so we had several gold medalists. We had, uh, you know, Jason Culbreth, obviously Drew Culbreth, Mary in the absolute, uh, Gita, and I think just what an outstanding showing for those people. What an outstanding showing for North Carolina. Yeah, I mean that's especially a great showing for North Carolina. Um, great showing for Team Hoist Gracie. You know, which is kind of. In my opinion, might not be everybody's, but like the bastard team of competition <laughs> jujitsu, you know, like they're not. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, and I, part partly Team Horse Gracie does it to themselves by yeah. really grasping onto that self defense aspect, you know, the feeling that there has to be some form of division, but to see people putting in the time and putting it on the line and it, and it resulting in good good results. A plus, you know, if if they had gone out there and and not done well and been able to post about it, great. Hopefully, they've brought back some tra training and teaching points for themselves, and then they can excel and uh, you know use that in training for sure. I, I couldn't agree more with all of that. We'll get into some of that those jujitsu issues in our featured interview with Bryce Mahoney in just about five minutes. But um, I, I wanted to lift that up. I've always said I think the distinction between self defense and competition is largely artificial. We kind of created ourselves, and I do think a lot of people perceive the Hoist Gracie Jiu Jitsu Network as purely self defense, purely fighting focused, and it, there is a strong self defense focus. But I always think basics, fundamentals, like what like we saw in the Damian Maya fight last night against yeah. Carlos Condit, that stuff works at the highest level, and those are all techniques that were on the blue belt curriculum, right? Single leg takedown, you take the guy down, you pass his guard, he gives you his back, rear naked choke. I, I really believe good, solid, fundamental jujitsu is 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 the stuff that wins not just tournaments but also every other aspect of, of martial arts competition as well. So, congratulations to everybody who competed. We listed the medalists. Um, if we missed anybody, please let us know on our Facebook page. But I also want to say one more thing before we, before we uh, before we close out this part of the new segment, which is like, if you went out there and competed, then you won. You know, putting yourself on the line immediately puts you ahead of 90, you had an experience that 98, 99% of human beings will never have, especially at a tournament that is a world tournament. And so if you trained for this tournament, you got better. If you went out and you competed, you know, it, it takes courage, takes determination. And I just want to say like, no matter how you did, obviously winning is awesome and it's better than losing. And we shouldn't soft sell that either. But like, if you went out there and you competed, uh, uh, congratulations, you should be really proud of yourself and we're really proud of you. Yeah, I, um, fortunately have been able to meet and hang out and discuss a lot of things with Dave Camarillo. Um, very, very humbled to be able to call him a friend. And the last time he was here, we talked a lot about re-evaluating re and redefining winning, redefining victory. And the, the biggest thing is, is exactly that. You know, if you're training a particular segment in your jujitsu class, then that should be the goal of I, I need to do this. Like obviously winning is awesome. Getting medals is great. But if you go out with an objective, a clear objective beforehand in competition and you achieve that objective, that's a win in my book. And that's, that's what helps us as we get older in jujitsu to 
make the carrot seem a little bit more achievable. You know, like the, the fact that we didn't all go to the Masters Worlds this weekend and bring home hardware doesn't mean we should stop training. You know, it should be uh, step one, I got, I was able to get to Masters Worlds. I was able to get past first division. I was able to pass that person's guard. I was able to utilize the techniques that I've been learning in, in my class and put them into practice without any amount of thought. And I think anybody that gets out there and can consciously choose their goals and meet them, they've won, regardless of the hardware around their necks. True enough, true enough. So transitioning, last element of the news segment, and I know Bryce is going to be involved with this, Trevor's going to be involved with this as well. You heard us talk a lot about Toro Cup. Toro Cup is September 10th at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu and Cageside Fight Company in Durham, North Carolina. It's going to be the fourth version of the event, and I think the best one, at least the way the card is shaping up. It looks incredible. And there will be no live stream this time. There's been a live stream for each of the first three. So you got to get out and support this. It's 10 bucks. Half of that money is going to go to support the Terror Ray Kids Project, uh, which teaches kids in Brazil and oh, the right favelas. I, I didn't know what they were doing the the stuff for this time. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty great. you know. And CJ Murdoch got the chance to see the impact of that firsthand oh, yeah. when he was down in Brazil. And so you can talk to CJ about that, who is competing on the card. Um, I know that... like. At, at, I, you know, I've seen the card. We're going to post the whole card. There are a lot of matches and a lot of really outstanding matches. Tons of brown belts, tons of black belts. Bring Just in some blue belts. This, this card, time. this card is stacked. Yeah, and I honestly don't agree with the blue belt thing, in my opinion. You know, yeah, uh, like I, I mean, I mean, I can't. I'm a tenure white belt. I can't. Say that's okay. That no, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from with it, but yeah. I well, because I remember like there used to be like, a very like. Think, big thing about like no it's only purple belts and above and then like pro jitsu started doing blue belts just like fill in i think kind of is what it is and i th i mean I, these are still some, like like uh we got uh from tjj uh i just based on her name amber hable <laughs> amber hable yeah. i was about to say erica hable i'm such a monster um yeah. she's a great competitor to watch like it'll be it's some fun matches but i remember like there's a very big thing about just purple belt and above for it this. is i mean in my per in my personal opinion i no there's nothing against white belts or blue belts Having been one, I feel like that transition from blue to purple is the quintessential I am doing this for the rest of my life yeah. transition. And well, there's just something to be said about like these pro events kind of things. I, and pro jitsu is a great event. Like I've been fortunate enough to be able to sell acai and, and attend those events there as well. But I, I like Torah Cup's direction that they're going and keeping it purple to purple to black. So speaking of the color purple and speaking of acai, Bryce Mahoney's business. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. Segway. That's a professional <laughs> level segue, ladies and gentlemen. That's a purple belt level segue is, is what a, that is. That's a recreational segue. <laughs> that's a, absolutely. I, I thought of that sleeping on the couch. So so, so Bryce has a business, Triangle Beans and Bowls, that provides healthy food. We'll talk about how that got started in a bit. But for now, I just want to mention that Bryce is going to be there serving acai bowls, serving yes. cold-pressed coffee, yes. Toro Cup. That's September 10th, $10 at the door. I promise you will get your money's worth from this card. It's going to be a stacked card. It's going to be a really fun event. So please come out and support. And we will be able to learn more about Triangle Beans and Bowls, about jujitsu, about the status of the Purple Belt, why it's important, and many other things in our featured interview with Bryce Mahoney, which starts in 15 seconds. Jujitsu is part of the solution. Jujitsu saves lives. It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFN.org. So welcome to the show, Bryce Mahoney. Bryce is a military veteran, a purple belt at Forged Fitness, uh, an acai purveyor, and general handsome man with tons of life experiences that we're going to talk to. We're going to talk to him all about. And I think let's get started with 
I understand that you started training jujitsu when you were serving in the U.S. military, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how that began, how that came to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I started uh, doing combatives as most infantry guys kind of learn to do. Um, started with squad on squad combatives, you know, fights in the team bays and things like that back in 2001. And I didn't really have a total interest in competing or, or doing that kind of stuff. I was you know, the typical 19, 20 year old military guy that wanted to drink. It wasn't until I got to Korea and we really had nothing else to do other than work out or, or train. And there was a, there was a purple belt. He was a major, major Anderson, never forget the guy. And we would put puzzle mats down in one of the older racquetball courts and it just came from uh i'm this is i know how to kind of do this i'll go train with him for a little bit and he would destroy me every single time and it wasn't that he was being you know being mean about it being over pressuring he just had smooth technique that no matter how much i frustrated and how much i tried to flex and bust out i i couldn't do anything about it and it Every time I would train with him, it just piqued my interest more and more. And more people started showing up. We rented, we, we got DVDs to watch. We got the Craig Kukuk from A to Z set. And we would just start with one disc and just watch technique and train it over and over and over and over again. And What year did you start? Uh, I started like significantly, that was 2003 mm -hmm. is when I, I would say I got pretty serious in jiu-jitsu. And you started training with it, like about you got your blue belt from Higgin Machado. Is that yeah, right? yeah. Kind bit? of just real. I, I I admit I was a bit of a belt chaser at the beginning. Um, the idea was here's something new. It looks fun. Let's get to the end of it. And from having trained with this group of guys for so long, um, doing these techniques, wanting to get that next belt, I uh, started reaching out to people and Higgin. Had, uh, he reached back out to me and gave me the list like, hey, here's all the blue belt steps, record it, send it back to me, and I'll tell you if you and this guy are, you know, blue belts. And it ended up happening. You know, we filmed this VHS tape and sent it to him, and he sent something really informal back like, yeah, it looks you great. You Gracie online. I did. I am, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I am the original Gracie, Gracie Academy <laughs> online student. It's, Please don't choke me, bro. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you talked in the news segment a little bit about the significance of the Purple Belt, and I know that that was a significant achievement for you, something that's a, a significant for most people. So maybe you could tell us about how you came to train and get your Purple Belt. Yeah. Um, the, the, the belt chasing definitely stopped. The, that mentality definitely stopped leaving Korea and going to Germany. Uh, I got to train at this free, completely free gym. Uh, they met every Thursday, and I remember going there the first day, and me being the only blue belt. Everybody else was a white belt. The instructor, Henry, was a brown belt. And I remember having the thought, like, I'm going to roll through all these people. And I got destroyed <laughs> at this, this school. Like, not only did they do a proper Brazilian warm-up for 45 minutes, but I got annihilated. And then afterwards, talking with Henry, like, he's like, oh, yeah, we've been training for, like, 10 years, but just nobody can get promoted. We go to Brazil all the time, but nobody, nobody's gotten promoted yet to blue belt. So all these guys are easily, you know, purple belt proficiency wearing white belts. And at that, that was the last day. Like, don't, this belt doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I just need to, I just need to get in here and train. And thankfully getting out of the military, moving back to North Carolina, uh, I was able to, when I lived at the beach, train at evolution a little, 
and then I had a group of people that we would train in my garage. We trained at a smaller uh, gym up near Hampstead, which is a little bit outside of Surf. I mean, outside of Wilmington, and just kept the stoke, you know, kept the kept it going. Um, and then really fortunate to be able to link up with the people that introduced me to Jason and Billy and started training at Forged in August of 2009. And that's, I mean, that just put, elevated me into another step of just getting serious about it. And I knew at that point I was, I, I really felt like a white belt. I felt like a brand new person. There was a lot of really good people at the gym at that time. And I knew I just kind of had to dig my heels in and just show up. And the color of my belt would change at some point. I mean, it was slowly starting to go back towards white because it was so old. <laughs> but uh, eventually, December of 2014, you know, life aligned and I was able to get promoted. So I'm incredibly humbled to be a purple belt. Uh, I'm sure as everybody's trained jujitsu, some days you feel like it and some days you don't. So your blue belt was one of the most <laughs> ratty, destroyed blue belts I ever seen, though. I mean, it was like sort of sick gray, like a nasty gruel. Yep. It was real bad. Yeah. It was real, real bad. I was yeah. glad to see you get that purple belt so I don't have to look at that belt anymore. Yeah, like yeah. between you and John Telford, <laughs> you know, yeah. the two, two, two of the rattiest belts. And like, and I think that's a point of pride, personally, because sure. it shows like the training you've put in, the time, the effort. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just look at like LC, Larry Carter's purple belt was the same way. Matt Lancaster's, like all these guys that I grew up under here in, in Raleigh. You know that have been promoted at well well deserved of their promotions. It's just awesome to be in that first kind of grouping of so many good people that have come out of uh, Forge Fitness. And I mean, just to see w where Bagels was. I mean, when we when I first started at Forge, we were fairly you know even matched wise. But now, I mean, he's just skyrocketed through everything. But he's devoted his life a hundred percent to jujitsu. I mean, he's. He's doing very well in the competition network of it. And, I mean, just by leading that way. Um, his 6 a.m. class that we have Monday through Thursday is just a great addition for How big Raleigh. has that class gotten now? It seems pretty big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we're averaging between 10 and 15 people That's showing great. up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 6 a.m. jujitsu at Forged is been the best addition i think in a really long time as someone that runs this the early morning classes at triangle jiu-jitsu i'm a huge believer in early morning jiu-jitsu and hold me accountable to this because tomorrow is john telford's 30th birthday and oh. i'm going to show up at your monday 6 a.m class and train with you guys to try to get 30 people on the mat for john telford's 30th birthday i am i'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that i will not be there <laughs> because it, my kids de first day of school is tomorrow uh. and i have to take them to the bus i want not half i have, want to take them to the bus stop and it's just not feasible to go to that class and to take them so sorry Bry bryce is ducking me that's sorry yeah, Telford. Ducking you. yeah that's messed up but uh, like so in addition to your passion for jujitsu i know that you have a passion you know you talked about your role at forge fitness you also have a passion for the outdoors and i understand you have a camp that you're going to be going to on the beach there's a kind of innovative idea for a jujitsu slash outdoor camp and maybe you could tell us a little bit about that yeah um the uh scrap nalu beach camp is starting tomorrow um it's it's an idea that's been happening, you know, a couple places around the world. A lot it's on the West Coast. These, you know, all-inclusive jujitsu camps, but um, this one, this one's going to be in Holden Beach, an all-inclusive jujitsu camp with paddleboarding, uh, surfing. We're going to do some yoga on the beach. We're going to talk about and and practice some functional movements, some kind of a blend between jujitsu and yoga, so people can create a little bit more. Um, a little bit better like warm-up techniques that are very specific to jujitsu 
And I'm, I'm pretty happy to be able to be teaching some of that stuff to blend yoga and, and jujitsu together. Um, but it's just going to be a great time. Very mentally uh, building. You know, I think it's good for the soul to get out and kind of experience some stuff like that. And I think it's the first of its kind on the East Coast, especially. So hopefully um, this is just the first of many, you know, jujitsu and outdoor specific camps that we can have around the area. Yeah, you've talked really eloquently in the past about the role of the outdoors and sort of mental strength, just it just being good for the soul. And I know your identity as a veteran is very important to you. Some of the things that you've been doing recently that, I, that I've looked into or that, you know, you, that I see you share on Facebook, that I hear you, that I hear you talk about passionately are getting fellow veterans involved in outdoor activities. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how that got started. Uh, I know that you did one of these just this past weekend. And tell, tell us what you get yeah, out of that. Absolutely. I mean, it, it really comes down to um, not just veterans, but people in general, we, we strive for camaraderie, we strive for community. And, um, you know, one of the biggest influences in my life for this has been jujitsu. The jujitsu community has been great. It's been something that's filled, filled a role in my life and, and on a lot of other veterans, people's lives, they get a very good sense of community where they train, when they travel, it, it shapes their entire life, um, you know, to, make decisions based upon jujitsu and just takes it a little step further. Um, Ranger Rally Point, my outreach group was kind of founded on the premise that I didn't really have, I don't really have a lot of people that are willing to want to go out and do 30 mile hikes in the mountains other than other veterans. And I find doing outdoor activities, hiking, biking, camping, all that kind of stuff creates such a cleansing ability for me personally, I just want to be able to experience that and share that with other people. And it puts us in an environment, especially if there's other veterans, that we feel more comfortable talking about situations and problems going on in our lives. Um, we end up linking, linking up with people in our own areas too. There's a lot of really great organizations out there that are doing much bigger things. Like it's fairly common knowledge that um, the now I can't think of the name of it. Um, Outward Bound mm. does free veteran trips, you, all inclusive. They will fly you to the locations, but they're usually like seven to 10 days. And most veterans don't have seven to 10 days off. So I wanted to create something in my own personal area of responsibility for a weekend warrior or a daytime kind of thing that people can link up with other veterans or other like-minded people like that and share these experiences and create a network of people that outside that event, that when times are tough, they can feel comfortable reaching out and they have people that they can link up in their community. And if for some reason things get dicey in the upcoming months, politically or whatever, we have established other veterans around where we live. And it's not just this Facebook connection, which is great. It's been able to link and create some great exposure for all, all things veterans. But we, we lose that actual face-to-face -face camaraderie. We lose those connections when we don't see people. And with veteran suicide and mental, uh, mental health issues being such a big forefront right now, personally knowing people gives you a better chance of reaching out yourself because there's only so much that I can do to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm available to you, which is great, a great first step. But 
as veterans, we have to take the next step in not only saying, hey, I'm available, but I have to make conscious efforts to call certain people that I, under, that I might think have some issues going on. I mean, subliminally, that helps that person, but it also helps keep me in check too. And I've recently kind of discovered that in myself. I've been volunteering at a camp in Virginia Beach called Wave Warriors that just gets disabled vets out in the water surfing. And for, for the couple years before that I've been doing this, it's just been, I need to get to this event to, to support these guys. And I realized that this year, it's just as much for me as it is for them. Like, I get just as much uh, satisfaction out of it as the guy that's out on the surfboard. And it's just putting like-minded people together that will hopefully spark, maybe they'll start meeting for coffee. Maybe they'll start branching out and wanting to do their own events. And that's the hopes for outside of North Carolina is that people will see what I'm doing with Ranger Rally Point and want to connect and say, hey, I live down here in Texas. I want to start doing the same thing. And great, all right, you can use the Ranger Rally Point's exposure. You can use whatever we're doing to start your own community down there. Because as much as I would love to have a countrywide approach to it, it's, it's not feasible. I need to focus right here on the people that are in my own area. And it's just something that started small, and I, I hope that it continues to grow organically. Um, veteran entrepreneurship is at its high right now, so I'm, I'm definitely treading on waters that I don't want to I don't want to get into a position where it looks like I'm trying to create some form of, you know, business for myself or anything. This is, this is something that I felt was needed and creates, if it can create an event and it, and it can create a, a, a connection between two guys, then I've succeeded. And we'll just continue to go from there. You know, we had a great surfing event this weekend. It was just, uh, hey, I'm going surfing. Let's link up. And they're going to they're gonna get bigger. They're going to get more, uh, you know, profound. Like we have a, a hiking trip planned in September. It's going to be a 27-mile, two-day, three-night, or two-day, two-night um, hike through Linville Gorge. We've got a climbing trip in October. I'm, I'm planning a, a paddle trip in March of next year. And I'll just be reaching out to local adventure-based businesses to see what, they, what they're willing to do for us, um, you know, as far as setting trips up. I, I hope to be able to kind of get some numbers like, hey, I want to take X trip. How much is it going to cost? And then we can go the fundraising route or we can look to sources that want to donate the money to do that kind of stuff. But my hopes are to stimulate local businesses by getting veteran-specific programs through the businesses, but then creating the programs for veterans and then having zero excuse. It's going to be free. It's already been taken care of. All you have to do is show up. And so it just leaves zero excuses for them to come out. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. As you say, there's really no substitute. <laughs> you, Bryce didn't take a single breath during yeah, that whole that was, monologue. I was, it was like yeah. circular breathing like a trumpet player. Yeah. Uh, but but in, in all seriousness, like there is no substitute for in-person community activity. And, and a lot of these things do take place locally. So hopefully other folks are inspired to do something similar. Before the show, we, you talked about sort of the profound experience of surfing and about how it is when it's when it's on when it's like oh, yeah. that perfect day and maybe you could tell us like what yeah. that day was like for you oh man yesterday was yesterday was a day above days you know there's everybody's got that certain hobby where you've just devoted a lot of time into it you've devoted a lot of practice into it and some days it clicks some days it doesn't but it's that it's that undecidedness or it's that 
that keeps you coming back. You know, people have the same feeling about jujitsu. Um, but s yesterday in Surf City was one of those days for me. Just everything lined up correctly. I had a great group of people out there, and I just I, we got there at 6:30, and I don't think I got I got out of the water a couple times to talk to people. But for the most part, I just stayed in the water the whole time. I mean, surfing is above all else. Surfing is the greatest form of mental like cleansing for me personally. I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit that I would choose a day of surfing over a time hanging out with my children. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm well, not. Um, you sound like everyone else from Virginia Beach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as your kids get older, maybe they can join. Yeah, oh, I that. hope so. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm slowly but surely getting them on my stand-up paddleboard up at my parents' house. And, you know, they've got fears. I started when I was five, but I, you know, I pretty much grew up in the water and, we don't spend as much time at the beach, not living there, but we do. And my daughter's really hard charging at eight years old, and my son's getting there. So hopefully we'll we'll be a surfing family, not too you know, not too far off. So I want to reiterate. I want to I want to revisit something that you said that's a, it's a bit of a more serious topic, and then we can get on to the, some of the more fun stuff, which is you mentioned about the mental health and the suicide uh, problems in the veteran community. And I see you wearing a Mission 22 shirt. I know you do a lot to support them. For those who don't know about Mission 22, although we've talked about it a lot on the show, the best information we have indicates about 22 American veterans commit suicide each day, which is a tragedy and a scandal, and we got to do a we got to do something about it. And Mission 22 is one of those organizations focused like a laser on reducing that tragedy. And so I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about why that speaks to you, how you got involved with Mission 22, and where you see that going. Yeah. Um, Mission 22 is one of, you know, f very few groups out there that I see that are that have tar targeted a certain focus and are, are making a difference. I think Mission 22's primary focus has been jujitsu. And they f they have found a correlation between that community, that um, camaraderie, the accountability aspect of training jujitsu, and it's it's sucked people in. That they have found, especially veterans, they have found similar attitudes and like-minded people at jujitsu events and and gyms. So it makes them more comfortable to want to continue to train, and um, it's it's just crazy to me to think about mental health today especially uh, that we're so in tune and we're so connected with everybody but we're so disconnected too and I recently found out that the the 22 statistic primarily consists of Vietnam veterans not even our generation which is very disheartening to me because it's almost like a foreshadowing like is that where I'm gonna be when I'm 68 or 70 years old and how do I not get that way and personally for me I see it as creating healthy, productive community situations. Like the VA or the VFW and American Legion have done okay with that, but I see one fun fundamental issue, alcohol. Alcohol does nothing but create problems, especially in storytelling veterans. So the goal is remove the problems, create better community link-ups, and you create better, healthier situations. I think they're, they're starting to learn that now, and guys are starting to create more link-ups like breakfast meetups and just coffee meetups, things like that, that don't have to take place in bars or, or areas like that. And I think that's very beneficial for us as the new generation of veterans to continue to, to lean on so that we don't continue that statistic. Um, I hate using the term PTSD 
because it's I feel it's incorrectly labeled veterans. Um, not to say that there's a very small percentage of people that deal with PTSD on a daily basis, but the majority of us are dealing with separation anxiety. We have gone through something incredibly um, tough, strict, and life-changing. And if you've spent any four, five, six retired in the military, and we can even include if you've done any type of factory working or done anything where you did pretty much the same thing for the last 20 years, when you stop doing that, it's going to affect your life. But you just throw a little bit more of a I almost died aspect in the veteran community, and that amplifies things. So people, when, think, when times get tough, they revert back to that, God, I wish I was still in the military. And I do it myself personally all the time. When life gets tough, I start thinking about that 3% fun time in the military where I was jumping, I was shooting. I don't think about the 97% of color ch- painting rocks or trash you know, police calls, hands across America looking for, you know, lost gear, waiting on the tarmac after jumps. I don't think about the bad days. I think about the great days and it, and it alters my perception of my reality. So creating events and things where we stay connected on the outside, I, th- I feel are very beneficial for us because on those days when I want to complain and I want to seek that past experience, I can instead call my buddy and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Can we, can we talk or can I just yell at you for a sec? And I feel that it's much more positive and conducive to what we're trying to accomplish. So Mission 22 um, and there's 22 Too Many. There's tons of organizations out there that are raising the awareness. I just would like to see some of the other ones put more of a focus of how, you know, all right, we're aware of the problem. How are we going to change that problem other than making it aware of that problem? And um, in more of a nonchalant way, that's where this, this group for me is coming into, you know, it's, it's seeing a need and hopefully f- meeting that need. I know that you're a huge advocate of a healthy lifestyle, and I, I take your point about, you know, you want to create these situations where we can recreate communities that are also centered around healthy activities, like Mission 22 with jiu-jitsu. Hey, let's, let's do jiu-jitsu, which is an extreme lifestyle thing. I'm wondering, you know, from, is that how your interest in acai and your business Triangle Beans and Bowls started? Because I have noticed at many combative events, there are no healthy food options, or, or there are very few healthy food options, right? right? It's, it's pretty much... Bud Light and pizza, if you're lucky. Hey, <laughs> that is part of my food pyramid. Yeah, I, Thank you very much. <laughs> those are yeah. food groups five that, and six. Yeah. That is true. But it's the first four that, you know, like where are they out of the, is, is pizza at the base of the pyramid and Bud Light at the top? Exactly. Or? I mean, in the middle, I still have like, you know, I don't have bread. I still have like lean meats and, mm-hmm. you know, lots of vegetables, but I still have like, you know, beer and pizza in there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you got to have balance. Oh, and yeah. It's, yeah. Sure. And it's North Carolina, so you got to have your deep fried food. food. Oh, you yeah. just got to deep fry everything. Take it, the whole food pyramid and just deep fry it. Just go to the fair. Like we're gonna deep fry everything. I remember my first year in North Carolina. Can I went we to deep fried cold pressed coffee. I'm sure it's been I'm attempted. Sure we yeah, can right. try deep that. fried acai bowl. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that for April Fool's next year. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> but so for those of you who don't know, you know, so acai Brazilian superfood from rainforest, super healthy for you, and a lot a lot of jujitsu people in jujitsu culture have this you know eat it in acai bowl form and so i'm wondering you know did you get into that simply because you wanted a healthy you wanted to provide a healthy food (laughs) option or was there or is it more or is there something more to it i honestly i originally got into 
selling acai because I was at the Pans in 2012 and I saw Sambazan's tent. And from Wednesday to Sunday, they had 15 to 16 people deep serving these $8 bowls and they were killing it. And I remember going, we need to do this on the wet, on the East Coast. I bought like three of those bowls. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I came back. This is 2012. Came back and Samazon didn't have a distributor uh, at the time. So I ended up buying pints of it from Whole Foods and I would convert it into bigger containers. And I, t- I think the first event I took it to was the Pendergrass Classic when it used to be called that at oh, the, yeah. the YMCA building yeah, down yeah. T- like off in Garner, uh-huh. like that real ghetto place. I remember selling 12 gallons in two hours wow. because people were like, and, and people would come up and be like, what is that? And I just hand them a spoonful of it and they would eat it and be like, I don't even care what that is. Just give me kids a bowl of that stuff. Kids are like ice cream. Daddy, yeah. Give it to yeah. Me, so. so, I mean, it, it's, it started as a business venture, but I saw the benefits of, um, creating something more healthy. I will say like acai is a better option. It's definitely not the healthiest with the sugar content of the, of the sorbet, but you take into the account, you know, we're adding bananas. I'm doing homemade granola, hemp seeds. We're, we're just providing a better source of post training, post competition food for people that want it. You know, if, if the, if the vendors are making money off of selling hot dogs and chips and all that kind of stuff, I guess I can't, I can't fault them for that. That's your personal choice to sit there and eat that kind of crap. But if I can't, if, if that's limiting me from producing, at least providing a healthier option, so what if I don't make money? That's my, that's my thought. I mean, that's my problem if I don't. Maybe I just didn't market myself. But um, I, just, I just would like to see foods and things that, more associate with the event that they're at to be there to be at least be allowed to be at the events and i understand a lot of it's venue related and nobody wants to step on anybody's toes but u.s grappling has been very fortunate to me to to be able to go there and and sell the the bowls and um how did the coffee become a part of it and then like before you answer i want to mention that like bryce has been at in addition to u.s grappling you've mentioned you've served at pro jitsu you've served at toro cup you're going to be serving at toro cup again on september 10th so like uh, where where did where did the coffee come into it? Was it Is just the just coffee the military side of you? No, yeah, I mean I just hate like, water, yeah. and I want to provide <laughs> I want to provide some form of good beverage. I thought you were just going it. on like on like America's caffeine yeah, I mean, addiction. Yeah, I, mean, like I your, love coffee. Your, your time and, in the military drinking coffee and more than water. So. Yeah, I mean having having learned you know have, knowing how to make like legit cold press coffee, like, which it, is it's, phenomenal. Yeah, there's an art. There's definitely an art to coffee making. Like the the word barista has taken a definite side turn. You know, with the the explosion of Starbucks, Starbucks and that kind of thing. Jinx. But um, you know, making cold pressed coffee it's not i mean i don't just grind it and brew it that day like it's something that that is a two-day process of grinding and soaking beans and all that kind of stuff so it's just another fun thing to accompany jujitsu i mean accompany when i go to you know these acai selling events um and and hopefully it's something that nobody's ever tasted or tried before or maybe they just had something bad and i'm able to change that uh perception of the cold press coffee 
So I grew up uh, in Portland, Oregon as a barista and making cold press coffee. Let me tell you, this stuff is delicious, and the stuff that Bryce brings is really, really top notch. And so, if you want to check out Triangle Beans and Bowls, you can see them on find them on Facebook at Triangle Beans and Bowls. You can also uh, you, you can also check it out for yourself at Toro Cup on September 10th. And uh, and believe me, try an acai bowl; they are quite delicious. Yes, they are. Just had one for this morning for breakfast. I was really upset. I was like, man, I bet Bryce is going to bring a whole bunch of acai and cold press coffee. I was like, I, I didn't it. bring like I didn't eat this morning. I didn't bring oh, my coffee, man. so I'm over here just like slouching around, just like. I wish uh, I had him. I'm sorry. Trevor actually almost walked out. He's like, he saw Bryce. He's like, I'm out. No, <laughs> no, acai. I'm taking my dog and leaving. You should have told me. <laughs> I would have brought it next time. It's just an incentive to show up to Toro Cup. So, <laughs> so transitioning. So, in addition to your role, you know, we talked a little bit about your jujitsu training. We talked about your, you know, your experience as a veteran, your your passion for the outdoors. One of the other things that that some people know about you or may not is that you actually served. As, you you were on a rally reality TV show where which was a conservation based eco warrior reality TV show called The Operatives. Yep. And so, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, how you got involved, and what your experience was like with it. Oops. The operatives. That was uh, that was an interesting couple of months of my life. Um, it started with being in the right place at the right time. Um, I think it was just very uh, very interesting how it all came about. Uh, the friend of mine that actually introduced me to Pete, the head guy of the operatives, just happened to be in in town here in Raleigh doing some training with the military, and I hadn't seen him in ten years, and. We were sitting down. I almost caught. I almost canceled the lunch that I was going to meet this guy with. I know I need to meet him. And we're sitting down at the Flying Saucer downtown Raleigh, and he just starts talking about this show. Like, yeah, I got you know this guy's asking me to go on the show and blah blah blah. And I can't. I'm here contracted. And I mean, at this point, I was living on Bagel's couch, not really, <laughs> not really being a productive member of society. So I just kind of like, well, we have similar backgrounds. Just give him my name. I, you know, I'll go to Costa Rica for three months and do whatever he wants. So. It turned it turned into that, and you know we get down there, and from day one, this show is just like f- through the roof. Like we wreck a two hundred fifty thousand dollar boat the first day we are there <laughs> because of p- improper site planning and like well, r- back reconnaissance. Just, well, back up just a second and tell us the concept of the show. Okay, like, so like the capsule summary, and then please tell yeah, us the yeah. story about so wrecking the, that. The boat. operatives is a mil- uh, marine conservation based show where it took ex military people and put them in more of a conservation role. So we had Pete Bethune, who was the, t- the head of the team, um, and he, he was very privy to all of the kind of ecological tragedies that are happening around the world right now with Earth Race, Fo- uh, Earth Race Foundation. And so he had the ideas, and then he wanted us to kind of spin it in more of a military training and military mission platform. So we had a we had a SEAL Team Six guy on the team. We had a Marine. We had a uh, New Zealand paratrooper. We had a um, an Intel operator that was part of the team, and then Carissa, my wife, was a UAV operator. Um, that's where I met her on the show. Wow. So it was a good delicate. It was a good balance of. Uh, a lot of people um, and the idea is you go around the world basically adre- helping to address environmental yeah, crises yeah like we our, our role at f- for that season was totally just um, exposure Recon- pull reconnaissance and surveillance on these people get the exposure and and show the world what's really going on out there and um, it's moved into more of a, an action direct action kind of thing for a little while uh, two for the next season. I wasn't involved with season two, 
but um, I like the direction that it's going in. They're, they're actually trying to get a boat, a larger earth race vessel, so that it can become a 365 uh, mission, you know, that basically just uses volunteers to kind of be more of an active role in marine and animal conservation. So tell us about wrecking the boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> so, yeah. Things that go boom. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we fly into country, and, you know, we've never met, and it's very hit the ground running. And Sea Legs is a New Zealand boat company that makes these ribs, rigid inflatable boats that have hydraulic um, driven wheels on them that can f- go, go up and down. So the boat can be- essentially drive into the ocean, put around, and then wheels will go down and it can drive right out of the ocean. And we, we load this boat down like in the middle of the night and it has no problem going into the ocean. So it's me, Pete, and Matt, and Rick on the boat with probably $100,000 worth of camera equipment and drone equipment, everybody's bags. And we take, you know, we get on there and it's very learn as you go. You know, Pete's like, here, throw these, dem- you know, throw these coordinates in the, the GPS. And thankfully I've had a little bit of boat experience. So we, we plot all this stuff in the, in the GPS and I'm like, this is like 23 nautical miles away. You know, we're going to be on this boat for like four hours in the middle of the night. So we just start putzing down the coast to where we're going and we get there right at about sun sunrise and we're in the bay and I'm looking, you know, I look at, Rick and everybody, you know, like Pete, have you ever like this is where we're landing? Have you ever landed on this beach? And he's like, No, nah, but I've walked it and everything. And we're like, Oh, it's it's cool. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I'm like, oh, Roger that. So we free and we start going towards the ocean, going towards the shore. And I noticed that the waves are a little bit big, and and it's still kind of dark out, you know, because it's right at sunrise. And the front wheel hits the beach, and I noticed that the the beach is a little steep. Back wheels hit and we just stop and it just starts shaking and sinking into the sand. Well, right at that same moment, like a three wave shore break set comes, boom, right on the boat, like right into the boat, like immediately one, two, three, everything starts coming out, floating. And we just go into straight survival mode, like get all of the stuff high up on the shoreline, Everything gets off the boat. Everybody's bags are completely soaked. The Pelican cases, thankfully, were all uh, waterproof. We get all the gear up on the uh, on the land, and we're like, awesome. We turn around, and the boat is completely sunk in sand, like up to the ribs from oh. just the waves breaking down on it. So we spend the next 14 hours digging this boat out of the sand, out of the water, getting the local people. Like now everybody in this cove in Costa Rica is like, look at these idiot white people that just showed up. Blanco Diablo. Yeah. In this boat. Talk about, talk about like blowing your cover, you know, (laughs) like this isn't just some like podunk white little fishing vessel. This is like a $250,000 blue lights on the top. Like people are looking at this boat going, what is, what is this boat for? And they all, you know, we had a tractor come down to the beach and help us get it out. I mean, the boat is destroyed. Both engines are gone. Like oh, no. the HF equipment, all the radio equipment's gone. And we get it up high on the shoreline enough to where it sits there for the next two or three weeks. And we have to basically like scoop the sand that's covered in hydraulic fluid yeah. off. And I, and I, I enjoy doing that stuff because it's just a challenge. Like, 
taking apart lawnmowers and all that kind of stuff. So I just kind of pinned myself on while everybody else is setting up where we were, where headquarters was going. I just went down there and just started messing with the boat and tipping it up. So all the sand would rush to the back. And this was at the very, like very infant stage of the show. And I had just been introduced to Carissa and I like got her to come help me. Ah, so it was like, yeah, it was like a perfect segue into yeah. like getting to know her. Hey, so baby. we spent like, yeah, we spent <laughs> hey, like a week, yeah, a week, two weeks, just <laughs> scooping sand line. together and and like basically da- dating as we sca- scoop the sand out of this boat. So it was like the beginning of our relationship. So. <laughs> that, well, what an auspicious beginning oh, for, yeah. the, for, for, for what would become your marriage. And so did they ship you a new boat? Did they fix no. that boat? How yeah, did you so, continue with the show? So we ended up getting all the sand out of it, and we had two new Evinrude 90s deli- donated to the show. Um, we had an engineer that was on like the, the crew with us that was able to... So once we got the, the boat unsanded... Um, we we took it up north to a, a boatyard that w- it was able to be in dry dock and that engineer basically lived there for a month and fixed everything that needed to be f- fixed on the boat and we ended up using the boat for like the last half of the show at that point so thankfully we got to use it <laughs> well and the show is streaming on amazon prime so if folks want to see this and and, and did, did, did i assume that incident made the show uh, actually, the uh, beginning scene did not make the show because we were not prepared to film that kind of stuff. So there is actually no mention whatsoever of us wrecking this boat at the beginning. So basically, the only way you hear about this is on the Cage Side Concussion Cast. Thank you for yes, the yes. The oh, I mean that exclusive. we we I will say to Sea Legs, thank you for letting us borrow this boat and letting us destroy it because we fixed it all up that time. Then, if if you watch the show, you'll see. We ended up doing quite possibly the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, but followed a yeah, that's a big that's a big one. <laughs> that my eyes when you hear this, yeah, shot up. So we followed we followed a fleet of fishermen 365 miles off the coast to Cocos mm-hmm. Island in that boat with five guys, all the fuel we needed, all the food and gear we needed. Five of us set out and went out into the Pacific and did that. In 15-foot seas, 30-knot winds, we lost an engine, we lost a quarter of our fuel, two guys couldn't even do anything because they were seasick. It ended up being me and Pete driving pretty much the entire trip. Uh, It took us 63 hours to get to this island on this boat, like in a wetsuit the whole time. It was raining. I mean, God is the only reason that we are alive. Wow. Because we are, we, it was that stupid. Like the boat's profile out of the water was like a foot. Any, <laughs> any cross wave would have, would have put us dead in the water. And we had no follow boats. We had nothing. We made it to this island on one engine crawling. They had another Evinrude there that I ended up working with the rangers and fixing on the island. We used the boat at that point to bust I think eight vessels total in their marine protected area that were shark finning. Oh, we ended wow. up busting eight vessels at, at that trip. So the trip was totally worth it. But I remember thinking, like, getting to the island, like, what I will I never do this again. This well, thankfully, we, we didn't. I am missing the couch so much yes, right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we on the Concussion Cast are glad you were alive to do even Me more too. stupid things <laughs> and, and stop even more shark finners. We have about a minute left, Bryce. Is there anything I've asked about, I haven't asked about that you want to say? Um... No, uh, just everybody get out, train jujitsu, link up with like-minded people, um, just start doing things outside, 
And I think that'll be the key to a lot of our success mentally and just as a society. We need to start creating better in-person link-ups. So I'll leave it with that. Bryce Mahoney is a purple belt at Forged Fitness TV star on The Operatives, which you can see on Amazon Streaming. You can buy an acai bowl from Bryce on September 10th at Toro Cup in Durham, North Carolina. You can find all this information on our Facebook page at Cageside Radio. And Bryce has one more thing he wants to leave us with. And everybody needs to go to Forge Fitness on Monday morning at 6 a.m. for Bagels' birthday for training. Happy birthday, John Bagels Telford. I am Jeff Shaw for Trevor Hayes and Bryce Mahoney. Thank you so much for listening to the Cage Side Concussion Cast. We will be back at you next Sunday with hopefully Jason Culberth in studio. Take care.